Welcome to Ball vs. Life, a podcast where your hosts, JC and Jack, discuss NorCal vs. SoCal perspectives, the Bay vs. LA. Thanks for tuning in. Let's roll. And we're back, guys. This is episode three. We, you've made it through one and two, and we've made it through one and two. It's been, it's been great, honestly. And I'm excited to continue to keep putting up content and have you guys listen, get feedback. It's, it's been a, um, just a great journey so far, and we want to continue it. So getting right into it, what you been up to, JC, um, this past weekend or this past week? Yeah, what's up, what's up, everybody? Um, this past week, um, I had a chance to do a little bit of traveling. Um, I hit up Vegas uh, this past weekend uh, just for a little Vegas, uh, what I like to call a foodcation, so a food vacation. You're not um, clubbing? No? Nah, man. It's funny how uh, through the years, the way that we kind of interact with Vegas has changed. Um, this time around, um, instead of trying to get lit, going to clubs or whatever, <laughs> um, all, all I did was literally just try to look for new food spots to hit up um, and just get some sleep. Um, I hit up the spa. Uh, we stayed at the Delano Hotel, like the little extension hotel by Mandalay Bay. There's no casino there. It's just straight up like a hotel. Beautiful, beautiful property. It's not called Delano. And I've been pronouncing it Delano for the Delano, time. Delano. I think it's the Delano. Yeah, I think they call it the Delano. At least that's what the the. Oh dang, that's bougie, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, you just hit up Vegas and try to eat at some 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 old classic spots and try out some new spots. Um, I think the highlight of uh, at least my food trip was Lotus of Siam, um, mm. which is this really highly uh, rated um, sort of much loved Thai place, um, which used to be at least in like a really really kind of sketchy ghetto um, um, sort of. Uh, uh, area but they kind of opened something that's relatively closer to the strip and the food was heavenly bro like the food was just legit delicious like the my favorite thing was like their their garlic shrimp or garlic prawns that thing is just straight up from heaven and you know every time i eat it after eating it i'm already dreaming about the next time i'll eat it Um, sounds sounds bomb so yeah dude vegas is definitely transitioned into a very different experience from how it was before years ago it was like probably over seven years ago more than seven years ago when we went to vegas it was a different it was a different trip we like we drove from norcal but what that's an eight hour drive nine hour drive it was 10 hours it was was 10 hours (laughs) i i wanted i want to remember as an eight hour drive but it was a 10 hour drive we it was we packed in what seven eight people in a room those are yeah. different days. Those are different days. Uh, I actually plan on going to Vegas in July. Gonna go check out the Janet Jackson concert. Uh, I think these are a thirtieth, like some thirtieth year celebration of her performing or something like that. So really excited about that. You know, you know, us old school people, we like listening to old school uh, artists, R and B, all that stuff, pop. Kind of made me feel kind of weird about it because of the MJ documentary. I know that's like trending now. HBO just released it. Uh, I haven't watched it, but I've heard enough about it to make me feel a little bit weird about going to the janet jackson concert and i'll just leave it at that <laughs> yeah dude janet's mutually exclusive from michael you know what i mean like she, you're right she you're has right her own thing. she has her she has her own direction thanks I mean, her thanks. music is on point uh so yeah maybe the the mj documentary is something that 
I'd rather not open up for discussion. I'm gonna be like an athlete. You gotta compartmentalize. Uh, how am I, what am I saying? <laughs> compartmentalize. Exactly. I'm already tripping on my words. Doing this podcast has got me uh got me flustered. Or thinking about the Michael Jackson documentary is gonna be flustered. Um, but yeah, uh, the, another thing is what you were talking about is traveling in your 20s versus 30s, and we kind of want to maybe give a sneak peek of content that we might be doing in the future. 20s versus 30s traveling playing ball so yeah stay tuned to that we want to develop content outside of just what we've been doing do really key on the versus angle which transitions me into bay versus la i want to get our three quick hitters from each section bay and the la going so jc why don't you get us right into it yeah so there's been a lot of uh story stories that came up in the bay area since our last episode uh for the first one, uh, one of the big sort of uh, trending uh, storylines are the Giants' troubles. So the SF Giants have had a lot of drama uh, early on in the spring training. Um, recently, there has been um, some news where one of their new players, Cameron Mabin, a new acquisition, was uh, was caught for a DUI. Um, and I think there was some, um, some footage over the weekend that uh, was showing that he was really kind of tripping out and kind of really apologetic but it really is not a good look for an organization like the Giants that really has for the most part a really kind of clean image uh, so having you know a new acquisition have some sort of trouble uh, with the law is um, you know really not um, uh, uh, par for the course at least for the organization speaking about that there was also a lot of uh, coverage at least up here in the Bay Area about the uh, giant CEO Larry Bayer um, I guess last uh, last week, um, there was footage caught in the public where he had a little bit of a domestic dispute with his wife um, over in San Francisco. I guess there was like some cell phone footage where uh, he was kind of caught wrestling a cell phone away from his wife and her kind of toppling over and then her screaming Um and again, Larry Bayer is kind of considered one of the uh, San Francisco's royalty in terms of just being able to be a representative, a really, really good representative of the Giants. And there's been a lot of talk about him being potential mayor, mayoral candidate or even a commissioner of MLB. So this has been really kind of a jarring development, at least for, uh, you know, someone from leadership in the Giants organization. And I don't know, you should check out the video. It's kind of it, it, you know, it's kind of weird just to kind of see something like that. And, you know, with all of the domestic violence kind of issues that have been going around, you really find video with clear cut audio and her sh her shrieks, her screaming was really, really kind of weird to see. And it's just kind of weird to see Larry Bayer. Just imagine like seeing someone like Jerry West having like a domestic dispute. Like it was really weird to see that that video and compounding with the Giants' troubles is the fact that um, Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies, essentially spurning the Giants. And there was a lot of speculation, and I think we discussed it in the last pod, about Bryce going to the Giants. Well, that didn't work out. Uh, he signed up with the Phillies. So basically, we're taking a lot of L's, at least, or the Giants are taking a lot of L's in the, the in the past week or so. It's been a tough week for the Giants' org. As you know it in life, when it rain, it pours. Yeah, Bryce has had a monster contract, though. I mean, we're talking about 13 years, $330 million. That's that's a lot. That's a lot to give to anybody, to be honest. You're you're stuck. Wait, he's 26 now? 13 years? He'd be 39? I mean, yeah, dude, he's, 
he's going to be Vince Carter age once, know, once exactly. his contract is done, dude. He got so paid. Like, so I don't know. I mean, would you have wanted the Giants to sign him to that big of a contract? Because that's what it took, right? Yeah. Knowing now. Um, I mean, from an emotional kind of standpoint, I wanted to, the Giants to have a star. So it would have been nice to have something to look forward to going to the ballpark, given the Giants' offensive struggles. Mm. Uh, but thinking about it objectively and, you know, from you know, an analysis standpoint and just being really reasonable about it. Uh, you know, we discussed about how Bryce's career doesn't really align with the Giants sort of trajectory right now. The Giants are at least in the rebuilding uh, or sort of uh, mode and Bryce kind of wants to be, um, you know, in a competitive environment already. So I feel like if he did sign especially for that long, there might have been a little bit of sort of uh, some trouble with regards to that. So in the end, I'm not losing sleep over it. I think it would have been nice. Uh, it would have been exciting uh, just to have another star. But let's face it. I mean, that's a long contract, dude. And a lot of these guys yeah. don't really live up to it. The Dodgers actually were in the mix a little bit. They wanted to give a short-term contract. I think they were up to possibly offering $45, $50 million a year for on a two-year contract or something like that. That was the rumor anyways. Uh, and I think it would have made sense for the Dodgers to just use all that money that they have for something short-term versus something as long-term as 13 years. But it's all, you know, not for anything and now because he's signed with the Phillies and that's a monster of a contract and we'll see how it plays out over there. Uh, as for my quick hitter, um, LeBron... Finally, finally passed MJ. Well, I don't want to say finally because he was going to do it regardless. He, yeah, he passed MJ. It's a big story if you really think about it. MJ is the GOAT and him passing MJ on the scoring list, that's a monumental accomplishment. But there's not that much publicity on it, surprisingly. You would think that would be a big story. LeBron, one of the greatest players to ever play, arguably, passing MJ, his idol actually. Why, why isn't there more publicity about it? I have a theory. There's like two sides to the coin for, for this one. And the first one is LeBron jumping from one team to another. You know, he started with the Cavs. He's, you know, his story growing up in Akron, Ohio and playing for the Cavs, but not really making anything. You know, he, he brought them to the playoffs and then jumping to Miami, winning all those championships and then jumping back to the Cavs and winning a championship and then jumping to the Lakers, all signing one-year contracts. Maybe there's no fan loyalty there. So this accomplishment on the Lakers team with them not really doing well this year, it just doesn't really match for him to be celebrated on that level. And of course, there's the other side of the coin where I feel like he should be celebrated if you really think about it. What he's accomplished is great. I mean, he came in with all this hype, with all this pressure, and he's lived up to it every single time. Every single part of his career, he's lived up to it. Sure, you can say there's media distraction and things that he's created as his own brand, but at the same time, his accomplishment stands in itself. You cannot deny it. It's, it's pure hard work and durability. How can you deny such an accomplishment and he should be celebrated for it? And that's my take. I don't know what you think because you might be a little bit of a LeBron hater. <laughs> Just a little bit. Let me tell you this. I mean, LeBron definitely has put in the work and, you know, from a talent standpoint and even from a work ethic standpoint, I think he's earned uh, the 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 right to be able to be celebrated uh, for for this accomplishment. But 
I do think the reason why there isn't a lot of coverage per se or, you know, a lot more pomp on this is the fact that there's just so much other noise that's happening with the Lakers currently that it really just kind of overshadows his accomplishments. And that's the thing. And I think that's one of the the primary sort of criticisms I have with LeBron is just that he can never just kind of keep it straightforward. There's always got to be some some other storyline that's associated with him, whether or not it's tampering, whether or not it's, you know, some some controversy um, that's just, you know, that's just associated with that, the move to, the, to LA. I think you make all of these good points and it just really kind of, um, it, it oversaturates all the conversation that's associated with him, and you can't just focus on his accomplishments in general. You know, in the absence of all this all-star stuff and the tampering stuff and the Lakers troubles and whatnot, if they're winning, I think they could be celebrating his accomplishments a little bit more. But there's just so much other noise that just kind of just, you know, just th- that blurs all of this. And it's unfortunate um, I think in due time, people can uh, step back and appreciate what he has done. But right now, there's just so much other s- stuff to talk about that it's, you know, it's really unfortunate that we can't really. I agree with that. Take. And I think I think if he was on the Cavs, even if they were losing, it would be different because he brought a championship there. And also he was drafted there and he's from Akron, Ohio, uh, Cleveland area. And that would have been more fitting for him to pass MJ and really a uh, kind of accomplished that in a Cavs uniform since for the longest time he was he was really selling that whole like I'm I'm this hometown kid living a dream so you're right I I I totally agree and why don't you get us into yours your quick hitter your second one uh second one is um the Warriors signing Andrew Bogut um that's definitely one recent development here in the Bay Area um, the, uh, the the Warriors have been kind of struggling a, li- a little bit recently, and um, there's been a lot of discussions in terms of what they were going to do with their 15th roster spot. Um, over the season, there was a lot of speculation whether or not they would be trying to sign some buyout candidates. There's been a lot of speculation about having... Uh, a wing player, someone like Wesley Matthews was targeted by the Warriors or another big, someone like Rob, Robin Lopez from the Bulls was also a target. Um, but those uh, those candidates, so I, I guess Wesley Matthews ended up signing with Indiana because he had a little bit more of an opportunity to get some playing time there, given the Oladipo injury. Um, and then Robin Lopez never was bought out by the by the Bulls. So the Warriors were, were losing options and there really wasn't anybody that was just kind of you know, standing out there to be, to be signed, and out of out of the blue, they signed Andrew Bogut, who had been playing in the ABL, the a- uh, Australian Basketball League. Um, I thought he was done with the NBA, but out of the blue, um, they they signed him. Um, the season in the ABL had just recently uh, completed, um, and Andrew Bogut actually won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in that league. While not one of the top leagues in the world. Um, just seeing a little bit of tape on him, he actually looked pretty good, uh, better than what he looked when he was with the Lakers. Kind of curious to see to see what you think about the, the Bogut signing. Um, and you know, even with Cleveland, he was a little bit injury prone uh, after he left with the Warriors. 
So I think it's kind of an interesting acquisition. He's familiar with the system. Um, he's won a championship with us before. I think he brings um, uh, a dimension that we're kind of lacking right now, uh, especially on the defensive end of, of things. Um, he knows the system. He knows the players. So I'm kind of excited. I'm, I, I, I don't expect him to get a lot of minutes per se, but I think in a right matchup, someone gets in foul trouble. Andrew Bogut is almost a perfect acquisition or addition to the team. And I'm kind of excited to see him back in the, the blue and gold, bro. It was a strange signing, to be honest. I mean, it makes sense on paper because Bogut was part of the championship team and he brings a lot of shot blocking, but he really was on his last legs the last time you saw him in a jersey. He was He's very injury prone. He fits the system well because he understands the system. He's a total role player. He would definitely play his role, but it's weird because... The Warriors have Kevin Looney, Kevon, is it Kevon Looney or Kevin yeah. Looney, Jordan Bell. They aren't quite the shot blockers you need, but at the same time, they're bigs on your roster. They just haven't panned out, I guess, even with DeMarcus Cousins back. You would think that you guys would have enough depth in the center position to hold it down, but maybe it's just, just not having JaVel McGee anymore, that pure shot blocker there to really protect the rim. That's probably why they're signing Bogut. Yeah, I mean, in, in years past, we actually had a lot more legit bigs i think kevon looney and, and jordan bell are a little bit more on the tweener end um where they can match up more and uh you know working with you know four or five combinations and they're a little bit more on the mobile end of things you know if you think about it the warriors had zaza pachulia they had javel mcgee they had david west which was a little bit more of a traditional big man and that actually hasn't really been much of a presence with the young guys this year so i do think um Boca- definitely add something uh that's that's lacking especially defensively they're kind of uh getting run defensively recently so we'll see what happens i mean i don't think he can he's gonna we'll play see a how it minutes. plays out we'll see how it plays i mean i think he's good for spot minutes especially in the playoffs um you yeah. give him five ten minutes a game where he can come in and make some defensive plays and yeah. just give some time for demarcus cousins and some of these other guys a break uh, or for some defensive matchups uh, against Jokic or or whoever you'd be playing in the playoffs in the first round, second round. But my topic, my second topic, is a little bit not as regional. But you would think maybe with the Laker playoff chances being absolute zero right now, it might there there might be a chance. Zion Williamson, <laughs> um, <laughs> keep on dreaming, bro. <laughs> I, I'm you all lose I'm a all whole about lot more games. <laughs> I'm all about tanking right now. Give us that uh the the miracle shot to get the first pick. Anyways, um, that's not gonna happen, but. Yeah, I, I want to talk about a little bit about Zion Williamson and Shoegate, his shoe exploding and also his injury and just the whole collegiate sports atmosphere or the amateur sports atmosphere of at least athletes getting taken advantage of. I mean, I want to give more of a take, but a quick one would be, I, the talk is, should Zion sit? Does he owe it any, to his coach, Coach K, to Duke, to his teammates, you know, to the fans you know, the Dukies, to play in another game, knowing that he's essentially solidified the first pick. He's not getting paid at all for playing college sports. There are rules against him benefiting off his name. College sports will benefit off him. It's a billion-dollar industry. They're making hand-over-fist money-wise. Coaches are paid in the millions. They're protected. There's no guaranteed contracts in college. You get injured, you're screwed. 
of course for Zion, let's say he even gets a catastrophic injury, he's probably still going to get drafted really high because he's young. And unless it's really that bad, he's going to get drafted high. But there is a risk. There's an inherent risk. And the system is corrupt. So I guess the question is, should he play another game? I don't have the answer to that, but it's a really good topic. And just the whole shoe exploding and the game being like $2,500 for a seat and Obama was sitting there. It, it's, it was kind of a circus. And to see it play out was really interesting. So that is kind of my second quick hitter. Me personally... I don't think he should play. <laughs> I don't think he should risk it. Why? They're, look at the NFL. NFL, the guys in the bowl bowl games that are guaranteed a, a first first round, second round, or whatever, they don't play in the bowl games. Why risk it? It's not worth it. You're, you're risking millions of dollars. It's your livelihood after that. So that's my take. I don't know what you think about it, JC. I know you're really into shoes. So Nike losing like a, a, cent, a, a percent or 2% of his stock, which is like a billion dollars. I don't know if that means anything to you. <laughs> Well, at least my take uh, in terms of the whole situation. Well, let me start off with the shoe since you, you asked about the shoe. Uh, any any press is good press. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if they're, if, if, if they're in discussions, Nike is always going to have some sort of, um, uh, you know, way that they can kind of spin this to, to get more eyes on their products. Um, let's face it. I mean... In many ways, it was good just because even though there was a short-term hit on their stock, um, I think long-term, staying relevant is always going to be a positive thing, at least for a brand like Nike. Um, you know, they can always kind of spin it in a way where they can kind of make improvements. I, I, I don't think it's really going to bury them, honestly. And the fact of the matter is Zion Williamson is just a physical beast, right? He's just, from a physical standpoint, he's just... He's just uh, He's a specimen. There's no one like him. Even LeBron is not as big as him. No shit. Like, that thing's going to break. <laughs> like, uh, the amount of force that he's able to put on a shoe, like, I, I mean, it's, it, you know, I'm surprised it hasn't happened uh, earlier. And it was kind of a fluke thing. You know, stuff happens in terms of products. Um, so, um, I'm sure Nike is smart enough to put a spin on this whole situation that eventually when he gets his own signature shoe, they're going to use that angle to say, Hey, you know, a shoe that's, that's so reinforced that he can even handle Zion's sort of, I I saw recently that he was repping some Adidas gear, (laughs) kind of salty (laughs) there. Right. (laughs) So, uh, in terms of my take in general, in terms of if, you know, athletes should be playing, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I guess sports is a business and people really need to make decisions that are, you know, are, are best for themselves. And it's just kind of similar to the whole free agency situation, right, where a lot of these players are trying to choose what's best for themselves. It's kind of aligned in that whole discussion. Um, you know, I mean, let's just face it. I mean, in business, business and ethics are very uh it's a it's a very kind of gray area sometimes and it's really hard to decide what's best for for people at the end of the day zion signing with duke um really helps his stock as a first pick as opposed to just waiting uh in high school so i don't think completely that you know there aren't any uh this uh, uh, there are disadvantages in doing that but i see your point and it's always an interesting kind of uh uh, sort of topic to think about um, in terms of college athletes um, and, and what they should be doing. 
we definitely see it in football as well. So, you know, um, you got to yeah, do well what's said. best for you. Yeah. yeah, well said. At the end of the day, the athlete has to, has to choose what's best for them. And I think for Zion, he's going to make that decision. I think he was doubtful. F- he's doubtful for the next game, but he'll have to decide soon if he wants to play, especially with March Madness coming, which is the, one of the biggest stages for college athletes. You can really, your stock can really rise or fall for the draft for a lot of college players. And we'll see. I'm excited about March Madness. It's one and done is one of the best setups for sports. Yeah. It's just kind of sad, dude. It's just like, if you're a basketball player, you just want to play ball. You don't really want to focus on the business side of things. You know, if you, if you're a player, you, you play ball. That's what you do. You know, you don't do it for the money. You, you do it just because you love the game. And, 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 you know, it's, it's kind of sad that business kind of gets in the way of this, but it is what it is. And that's, uh, that's a space that all of these professionals are in. Yeah. Hit us up with your last one. Uh, last take is uh, what I like to call the the Warriors' recent meltdown. So the Warriors have not been doing as well in the past uh, week or so. Um, there's been a lot of tough losses. Uh, they were on the road recently. They were in Orlando and Miami, which I think were really winnable games, and the Warriors lost those road games. Uh, they were back-to-back games, so I think you know from a schedule perspective, uh, you could even consider that there would be uh, a scheduled loss in one of those games just because, you know, they're on the road. Miami's, you know, it's it's kind of like L.A. You never really know what happens when all these players are on the road. Um, so they lost a couple games there. And then when they came back home, they lost to Boston. So the Warriors have been floundering in terms of uh, not playing up to the level that we were expecting them to play. Um, a lot of things have been happening. I think Boogie's kind of shown some uh of the uh the issues that he's had when he was in sacramento in terms of having texts and just doing some kind of questionable decision making on the court so it hasn't been a good time with the warriors and um i think that's why it led to uh them signing andrew bogut i think they're trying to find solutions to to problems um at this point i don't think they're playoff ready i think they have to sort out a lot of things before the season ends, uh, but it has not been a good showing uh, for the Warriors. And everybody here uh, up north is just trying to figure out what's going on. Like, is it the defense? Are they not motivated? Is KD disengaged? Are they not? You know, are, is he is he is he one step out of the door already? Um, so you know, uh, we're spoiled up here uh, with all the winning that we've done in what the past five years or so. So it's kind of weird to actually experience this 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 rocky sort of period, and it definitely is a topic of a discussion up north. You're a hundred percent spoiled, just to let you know. <laughs> Says the <laughs> Laker mean, fan you, who yeah. won so <laughs> many right. different championships Touché. in the past twenty years, thirty years. I don't even know. Come on, Touche. This actually bridges well into mine <laughs> because the opposite of uh, opposite side of being spoiled is. Uh, the drought what we're having right now that's going to continue essentially the laker playoff hopes is almost zero percent i think vegas doesn't even have odds for it anymore uh, they went i mean they've lost to the clippers the last game which was a pivotal game if they wanted any ounce of chance but they lost so at this point who's to blame there's a there's a lot of responsibility to go around and before getting into it um which i will i'm gonna go do my deep dive on this topic because there's a lot there's a lot to 
I guess this blame pie, if, if you want to call it, or this blame carousel that we're going to go on, there's a lot of responsibility that people need to take. And yeah, I'll, I'll get all into it, that segment in our deep dive. But you're going to do your deep dive, and I kind of feel like I know where you're going to go with it. So why don't you get yeah. started with that? Yeah, for my deep dive, I want to talk about these this uh, recent uh, warrior struggles, recent warrior meltdown, um, just to kind of give a little bit of background for, for folks who hadn't had a chance to catch those games. Um, the Warriors went on a road trip, um, and they had uh, some games in the East, East Coast. They played Miami um, in one game, and then they had Orlando the game after that. Um, the game in Miami was a really interesting game. Um, um, they started off really slow, and eventually they, you know, by sheer talent, they were able to kind of keep the game close uh, toward the end, and they were actually even up. But at the last minute, there was this miraculous Dwayne Wade shot, um, a shot that you would only expect from someone that is leaving the NBA and is having their swan song. Literally, Dwayne Wade's shot was blocked by Jordan Bell. He caught it midair, and with like 0.3 seconds in uh, left in the game, he threw up a prayer, and his prayers were answered with a bank shot to, to win the game, and I think they won the game by one. You ride off into the sunset, Wade County. You do that. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was really disheartening for the Warriors just because they were competing and they almost won. Um, I was fine with that loss. I think it was actually, you know, it was fine just because D. Wade, it's his swan song. He's one of the most affable super superstars out there. I'll give it to him. You know, it's his, it's his going away party is the home game. Fine, let's do that. But the game after that, they played Orlando and... You could just feel the malaise with the team, dude. Like, they were not engaged. All of the these games that the Warriors are losing, they are, they are starting very, very slow. All these sort of mediocre teams are, you know, getting up by double digits in the first quarter. They're just not, you know, they're, they're not doing it early on. And it's just a, a game of catch-up as all of these games continue. Um they won a, a key game in Philly, which was good. Um, I do think that the absence of Joel Embiid helped there. Embiid wasn't playing, so uh, it was still a competitive game. Ben Simmons was playing really at a high level, uh, but we were able to pull that off with some Steph magic, which you kind of expect from the Warriors. Uh, and then once they come home after this whole road trip, they end up playing Boston, and then they get trounced. I think it's one of the worst losses they've had in the Steve Kerr era with, with, uh, uh, with, since he's joined the team. And, you know, we haven't seen that. It's just kind of shocking to see that they're just, they're just not together right now. And it's, it's kind of troubling just because the playoffs are going to be coming soon. There's less than 10 home games left uh, until the playoffs hit. And, you know, we got, what, a month, a month and a half left for the season and it's just not a good look um the biggest thing that i kind of want to point to this is you know i'm trying to take a step back and not panic um you know being a true blue warriors fan um i understand that and 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 being a baller i understand that you know basketball is a game of runs and a game of rhythms it could happen within a game it could happen within a season and it's just a funk right now um if you take a step back, there were lots of things that had happened. Um, we had a couple of injuries. We were trying to do the LeBron load, load management uh, approach. Um, 
So the the team wasn't running at full uh, full squad essentially. You know, Clay missed a couple of games with uh, you know a knee issue. Um, so you know the team really isn't the team that you would expect to see there at the end of the playoffs. Um, um, so that definitely is a big factor with regards to all of the struggles. Um, but I think one of the bigger concerns is the defensive uh, uh, concerns. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I think having Boogie Cousins brings a great offensive dimension. Uh, we talked about this in the last pod where, you know, he can bring a lot of things to the equation for the Warriors, uh, for the Warriors system. However, uh, more and more as the games progress, we've seen some of his limitations. And I think I talked to this, uh, talked with you about this, um, you know, Boogie's just getting killed on the pick and roll. Um, I think teams are able to scout what his limitations are. He's just not able to move as well. Um, and he probably just doesn't have the defensive IQ, uh, as, of some other players just because he hasn't been put in that role before. Um, and I think he's still learning that. And every team that uh, we match up essentially just exploits this pick and roll and Boogie is just getting roasted out there. Um, I do think that there's an opportunity to improve. I don't think it's only him that's the issue. I think that, um, you know, as a team, they can figure out a system where they can communicate better. They can just kind of put him in positions where he can succeed Um and, you know, I think it's just a learning curve. I think, uh, you know, the, 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 the honeymoon period when Boogie was, uh, when Boogie rejoined already happened and now they're, the reality is setting and they're adjusting and time is running out. I am concerned, but I am also confident that the coaching staff and all the scouting and the addition of a player like Andrew Bogut will essentially be able to put us in a position to just kind of, you know, refocus, uh, understand what the goals are, um, and essentially be in the right mindset as the playoffs start. Um, I think mindset is one of the biggest concerns. I think, um, you know, we've been on this run for, what, five years running already, and it's a grind. And I think a lot of the players just understand that the regular season like it or not, and I know the Lakers aren't doing too well right now, and you know the games are a little bit more precious for the Lakers, but the Warriors don't really see the regular season um, as that crucial, and they're focusing on the long-term goal. With that said, you can't just turn it on. Maybe it worked last season, but you really need to make sure that you have a gradual mental shift. So... I am concerned. I'm not pressing the panic button just yet. I do think that there are things that they are doing to try to improve, shoring up the roster. Um, and I think they just need to put it together. So we'll see what happens once the playoff comes. It has been a little bit of a rough week or so. Um, but I am looking forward to an upward trend. Yeah. Um, I, I, last episode, we talked about DeMarcus Cousins and his integration with the Warriors, and I remember I made a joke, the rich get richer. But yeah. with rich gets richer, more money, more problems, right? Yeah. <laughs> so essentially, with De- DeMarcus Cousins coming back, there's going to be more tape on him, and teams are going to yeah. adjust. They're going to put him in those situations. They're going to run those plays over and over to see, to expose a potential weakness. But with that said, the Warriors are going to adjust, and this is just a learning process. As they move closer to playoffs, like you said, not, don't press the panic button yet because... 
there's adjustment period and there's there's a malaise of any season, especially for a title contending team that's been at it for the last you know couple of years that they just want to get to the finish line and just yeah get get to the heart of this what the season means to them, which is not winning meaningless games in the season as long as they clinch a first seed or second seed, they're gonna feel good about it and they're gonna feel confident going in a seven game series where there's you're gonna everything's gonna be on the table and you're hyper focused every single play, so yeah, there's not much to be worried about just yet. So I agree with yeah. you, um, but yeah, let's let's get into my my topic. I, I'm kind of out of it today because it's just the last couple of days been the realization of this lost season yet again. Even though going into it, you have hopes of any season. With the Lakers being out of the playoff mix, it's really time to evaluate who's to blame. What's happened this season? For them to get to this point, do we blame the coaching? Do we blame the management? LeBron, the vets, and the young guys. There are all these little components, but how do we break it down? Let, let's 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 just create a pie so everybody gets a percentage. How my pie breaks down, and you can tell me your pie later after I finish mine. I would say fifteen percent goes to injuries because it's been a rough season. Lonzo has been out the last six. In fact, I think they're actually thinking about... Last time I saw a report on Athletic, they're actually thinking about shutting him down at this point because of that ankle injury. And throughout, you know, LeBron missed 18 games of the season, which is a huge chunk um, of not having him around, really keeping the team afloat and in the standings. So that kind of hurts. So injuries, I, I put as 15%. The next one I would put into coaching, 20%. That kind of ties into injuries because it's tough to find cohesion in a team if you have a lot of injuries. If you have a lot of parts moving in and out, it's hard to adjust the team chemistry, adjust the roles for, for players to come to expect to know, hey, each game, this is what you expect of me from this role. But I will say Luke's substitutions have been very questionable and his team management has been very questionable. And I do think part of that is being a young coach, not being able to balance the vets and the young guys, the natural push and pull that will happen with a team like that because the young guys don't have experience but the old guys do and how do you find that cohesion on the court that's been a difficult challenge for him uh lebron i'll put 15 percent. i know for a lot of people that seems low because lebron has his handprints on everything but lebron goes out there and he plays the games and he plays to the best of his ability even though he does space it out during a season because he's 34 going to be turning 35 so he cannot go all out every single game that's just the reality of it but he does put his head to the ground and he tries to play the best game that he can if you watch the games he is a little bit of liability on the defensive end but they weren't losing games in the beginning of the season when the squad was full they were 20 and 14 so i won't necessarily just blame all of it on him so i'll put 15 percent for him the players the rest of the players which includes the vet and young guys um, I'll put 10%. So we're up at 60% right now. Just them not being able to handle the pressure of playing LeBron and living up to their own expectations. Um, Ingram really struggled for most of the season. And I think that's been an adjustment period for him to learn how to play with LeBron, who is a ball-dominant player. Lonzo, Josh Hart, Kuzma, those guys, those young guys, I think they've had flashes of potential. But they just haven't been able to put it together consistently, which is very normal for any young player. Being in LA, there's a high degree of expectation of winning. But this is pretty on par with most players um, 
two, three years in, unless you're like a Luka Doncic or whatever, who's just blazing. But then they're not on a winning team. So it's, it's, it's player development. It takes, it takes a couple of years. Giannis did not come out averaging 20, 14, and 5 or whatever. Um, the last p- bit of uh, pie that deserves the most attention to, which is 40% now, is management. You, with any company, when shit hits the fan, management needs to get the blame because management is the one that puts everyone in positions to succeed. This is just the reality of any business or reality of any team. Management hires people, management acquires players, and hires coaches to put them in positions to succeed. You have to be able to look at the whole picture. That's your job, to see down the line and see now. Does these parts, do these parts work? It was flawed to begin with. Signing Lance Stevenson, signing Beasley, signing even Rondo to some degree, JaVale McGee, unproven, those were all kind of little band-aids to fit onto a team building that needed more thought and more development. They wanted to go against the grain. Magic spoke about this long before um, the season began when they did all these signings. They're like, hey, we can't beat the Warriors playing the Warriors style, which, sure, in theory, you could th- you could be like, okay, let's let's think outside of the box. But if you're talking about signing a bunch of ball handlers who can't shoot to surround around LeBron, there seems to be a problem there. Sure, they can all dribble and attack the hoop, but when LeBron dishes to them, are they all just going to always go off the dribble? Somebody's got to shoot at some point. Not, not all the baskets are going to be a mid-range shot or to the hoop. That's the reality of it. Defenses will adjust. And in today's NBA, shooting is so vitally important. I think the Warriors have proven that. The, the Rockets have proven that. And some other teams, obviously, adjusting to their style of play to match kind of the Warriors' style because that's what's in right now. Um, you, you've, it's shown that spacing is very important. And you need shooting for spacing. You need the bright parts. So I would put that on management, which includes Magic, Genie, and Rob. Um, also, a novice front office. I, I don't want to condemn Magic and Rob yet because this summer will be very big for them to kind of prove their worth in terms of their notoriety, uh, especially Magic. Rob was an agent before, and I know um, Rob Palinka, and I know Bob Myers, he was an agent before. So there was some like um, lateral thinking in terms of, hey, maybe this... Maybe this can be another... Um, it's a copycat league. Yeah, it is a copycat. Very very well put. So Magic and Rob being novices in the front office, they've kind of shown not handling media well, especially Magic, not handling media well with the trade and stuff and not really keeping things in-house. And sure, some yeah. things are out of your control, but you got to be able to rein it in when it is out of control, right? Yeah. That's what management's yeah. for. JC, yeah. can you attest to that? Is that is that what management is for? When shit hits the fan, you do damage control. You figure it out. Hey, you come out. Yeah. Even if you have to lie, you say, look, yeah. no one's up for trade. Everyone just needs to focus on the season. This is the team we got, and we need to go with it and not just not say anything. How, yeah. what, does, what does that do? You lie. That's what management does. They've done it for years. <laughs> they have said, um, they've said, I will not trade Kawhi Leonard. But next day, they trade Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> But yes, uh, so that's that's kind of my breakdown. Uh, I, I think it's it's a, it's a tough season to absorb right now, but it was always faulty to begin with. Every fan has hope, but the reality is if you looked at it in a clear way, the injuries, the team construction, it was never meant to be smooth. And 
In this day and age where people want instant gratification, team building is just not an overnight thing. LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, they kind of spoiled everyone in the sense that, oh, you get these superstars and it'll just work out. It didn't work out that quickly for them either, considering they were amazing players at the time. So even with this, to expect the Lakers to be this top four or five team was a stretch to the imagination. So even Vegas in the beginning of the season, which it's 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 really interesting going with Vegas because they they're they're all about money, right? They're not going to put yeah. a betting line up if they're not going to make money. <laughs> so yeah. with that said, the Lakers were already out of the playoff picture when the season began. Vegas didn't put them in the playoffs, and this is kind of playing out how not necessarily expected, but just how I think people thought. Hey, it's not going to be a smooth ride, even though it's LeBron James, one of the greatest players ever. So, JC, why don't you tell me what your blame pie is? Hundred percent, LeBron James. <laughs> Damn, you hate it. If, 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 you if, hate if it. they win, if they win, LeBron gets all all the notoriety. He gets all the love. If they lose, you might as well be blamed for it as well. That's just the way the star game is, bro. Now, I, 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 I'm just kidding. In reality, I agree with a lot of points that you have. I'm not going to break it down yeah. by the the percentages that you have. Um, it's because I'm so worked up. It's I'm just too worked up. I, I gotta yeah, I gotta break it down in my own head. Yeah, you 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 really gotta you you're going through this process of grief where you're really trying to reason out everything and and understand why this is happening. Um, and, and your points are good, and I I do agree with a lot of it. Um, I do think that there's a lot to be put on LeBron um, just because the fact that he signed there, the te- the management, all of the decisions that management had was trying to cater to them. It's like that Bryce Harper situation, right? Um, and it just di- there was a dissonance in terms of what the team's natural organic trajectory was and LeBron's timeline. And that dissonance caused this sort of disjunct in terms of what they were trying to do. They were trying to find all these players that are, you know, either in their prime or complementary pieces like Lance and Beasley and Rondo, but they didn't really think about it, you know, in sort of a development kind of way. It was sort of like a fantasy approach. Magic was just like, yeah, let me get on Yahoo Sports. And just, <laughs> oh, man, Rondo, Rondo got stats. He got assists. I could throw him in there. And then, you know, Michael Beasley, man, he was a beast in New York. And there, there definitely was a lot that was, there was a short-sightedness in terms of that. And there's a lot of pressure that was kind of put on them to be able to feel the team to, to essentially cater to LeBron. And that's why I think part of it, and it's not his fault per se, but it's, it's just put on the fact that he signed with the team. And, and that just really put a lot of pressure on management to make questionable decisions. Yeah. Um, I do think injuries played a huge role. I mean, the Lakers were playing really competitive before LeBron had that that uh, that groin injury uh, during the Christmas game. I mean, yeah. they, they beat the Warriors, you know what I mean, in, in a marquee game. And then he went down for that long, and it was just, they plummeted. And like what I was saying, basketball is a game of runs, whether or not it's within the game or within the season. And that was just one run negative run that just kind of killed them and they just couldn't recover when he came back and at that point in time uh when they were kind of 
you know, behind the ball already. And this is why I think there's a little bit more uh, pressure to be put on LeBron is he's the leader of the team. And at the end of the day, the coaches can do all the prep work, but players are the ones that are playing the game. Mm -hmm. uh, And they're the ones that are putting a lot of the effort. And there's just a lot of sort of mental focus issues that I've been seeing at least, you know, you know, at least in, in highlights or whatnot, LeBron's throwing the ball off the backboard. If you really are trying to, you know, compete and stay engaged, you as the leader of the team, you are the highest paid player, needs to set the tone with regards to the team. And it just doesn't seem like it's showing that way. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, I think with LeBron, you put all your chips on LeBron, so you kind of live by the sword and you die by the sword. Yeah. So I, I can see why you blame LeBron and you know, there's some there's some uh, good reason for that. So yeah, I'll yeah. I'll end it with you know with LeBron. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. And now we're queuing up the tankathon, so we're trying to get that draft pick. Just lose every game from now on. <laughs> As a fan, let's do this. Let's would get Co- Zion Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> would Kobe let this happen? Would Michael Jordan let this happen? That's that's just one of the questions that people are throwing out there. I don't know. I don't know. That's but a that's, good way to. That's a good way to leave end this episode i know you got a couple things to say so why don't you close it out yeah um i just wanted to say thanks for everybody who's given us a shot and listened to our first couple episodes we really appreciate all the support and uh uh, and input that we've gotten thus far for folks who've given uh given a given us a listen um we're constantly trying to develop our craft here um you know i think this is a passion project and we're just learning how we can really kind of create content out there and we appreciate every anything that you can provide to us whether or not just your ear or any input and suggestions for the type of uh, topics that you want to hear from us and you know any improvements that we can do with our format so thank you thank you so much for everybody uh that's given uh, given us a listen um, it really means a lot, at least from uh, yeah. from Jack and myself. Yeah, I I fully agree with your with everything you just said. And to give us you know that feedback, you can email us at ballverselifegmail.com and Twitter ballverselife, and of course our IG ballverselifeofficial. So we again, I want to thank everybody that's listened. We want to continue this. We want to perfect our craft. So we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you very much. Peace.